0: Hello, and welcome back to Playability, where we hold conversations at the crossroads of gameplay and accessibility. I'm your host, Lauren Wolsey, and today we will hear from Nikki Valens. She is probably most well-known for designing Eldritch Horror and Legacy of Dragonhold, but today I'm very excited to talk to her about her connections to Fog of Love and the upcoming expansion she designed. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you. I'm really curious how you first became connected to Fog of Love, from playing it to designing the new covers for it, which are fantastic, and now the upcoming expansion for it. So could you give me some of that backstory?
1: Yeah. So when I left FFG, I was looking for different opportunities of different things that I could do. And Jacob, the designer of the base game, uh, reached out to me to see if I would be interested in doing a collaboration with him because he had been wanting to uh, get someone with more personal experience with queer and trans issues to kind of take a look at the base game and kind of help him make it more inclusive as an experience for all gamers. And then in the process of working on that, we talked about having an expansion that would focus on these issues more deeply. And we decided that that was something that we wanted to do. So it started as... A consultation on the base game to help improve it as a game and then went into the design of the expansion.
0: It's always good to have more stories where improvements to a game that focus on making it more accessible for some actually improve it for everyone and this has actually led to a brand new expansion is a great example of that. Now for our listeners who haven't played Fog of Love yet, could you go through a brief description of how the game plays It seems like it's really innovative and unique. And I think that they would benefit from hearing that from you.
1: Yeah, I like to say that Fog of Love is a romantic comedy movie as a board game. (laughs) So it very much relies on, if, if you think about whatever your favorite romantic movie is, it relies on a lot of those same tropes that you'd see in that to tell its stories. So it's very romantic. It's got a lot of cute scenes. It has some drama and some serious stuff to it. But it also has definitely an element of the, uh, the not real to go along with its very real subject matter because it kind of draws inspiration from those movies that are meant as a form of entertainment. And this is also meant as a form of entertainment. So uh, it definitely has a number of scenes that are very not realistic but are, are still fun to play. But the game plays out. The two players who are playing it are playing as two characters who they create at the beginning of the game who are in a romantic relationship of some kind. And based on the story that you're playing, uh, various different things will happen for your characters. So uh, there's a, a number of different stories in the base game. For instance, there's like a Sunday morning date one where you kind of start as this like, oh, we're just going to go on this date and see what happens with our characters. Or there's one that's you your high school sweethearts and it's about kind of how you progress you know, into adulthood with this relationship that's already established, or one that starts out as like a speed dating type of situation, and it, it, the story just kind of progresses from there and gets more serious as it goes on. So, there's all these different stories that can get told, and even playing through those stories again, the, the players will bring so much into it. Uh, it's encouraged the players will create their characters and role play those characters. So, as you're playing the game, you're telling. Not just the story that the game is offering you, but you're telling your own story as these two unique people who are showing up in this story.
0: I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I have seen it played, and it really is something that you can kind of get wrapped up in as an audience member. The game that I watched ended with a big, exciting run through the airport scene, and I felt like cheering for the couple, so I can definitely see the romantic comedy in a box aspect. Now, the game itself seems like a cooperative game, but would you characterize it like that? Can one player win and the other not? In a way.
1: So Fog of Love isn't so much about winning or losing. It's about telling that story and having the experience. Mm -hmm. The closest thing that it has to a win condition, quote unquote, is these things called destiny cards. Mm -hmm. And they represent your character's ultimate motivations, what you hope to gain out of this relationship, whether that's You know, this mutual love team-like relationship, or you want to be the dominant one in the relationship, or maybe you intend to break up with your partner is one of them in the later stories. So it's definitely possible for one player to fulfill their destiny and the other player to not. It's also possible that neither player fulfills their destiny. Uh, Fulfilling your destiny isn't necessarily dependent on whether the relationship works out in the end. Some of them, you if you break up, you can still fulfill your destiny. Some of them require that you stay together as a couple to fulfill your destinies. Um, so it's it's not about the winning and losing, but for the players that want that, like, what is my win condition type of thing, it's really the destinies is what they should be focusing on.
0: They still have the destinies cards to ground themselves, and seeing this as a game more than an activity or form of entertainment, like you noted earlier. Yeah. For the new expansion, I'm sure you're adding many new scenes and and other aspects, but will there also be a whole new set of Destiny
1: cards? Uh, Yes. So the new expansion has specifically a focus on self-discovery. So the types of stories that I wanted to be able to tell were ones that focus very deeply on orientation and gender identity. And it comes with some other components that allow you to quantify those aspects of your character a bit more but it also comes with some new destinies that are unique from the ones in the base game, as well as some alternate versions of the destinies that came in the base game that play into your character's orientation and gender in a more mechanical way to allow those to become part of the game more fully. The two new destinies that are being included, of course none of this is completely final right now, but as they are currently in my prototype, there's one that is Sex Friends, which is You have a sexual attraction to your partner, but not necessarily a romantic attraction. So it's a slightly different take on, you know, the types of relationships that we see in the base game. And then the other one that I felt was very important to focus on was platonic partners. And this is an intimate partnership between the two characters that does not have a romantic or a sexual component, which is perhaps difficult for many people to wrap their mind around, but it is a very important type of relationship to include for players who wish to play characters who are aromantic or asexual, for instance. It's also just a, a type of relationship that does we don't get to see it much in stories. So it's a, an interesting new addition.
0: Definitely. That's so important. The new mechanics that you mentioned you're adding, can we go into those a bit more?
1: Yeah. So in order to focus on your character's orientation and gender identity, I've added a number of cards that help to quantify that. In the base game, your character can be of whatever gender you wish. It doesn't really have that much mechanical effect, and it's assumed that there is attraction between the two characters. In these two stories that come in this expansion, your gender identity... Uh, Depending on the story, it might be something that you set at the beginning as you define your character, or it might be something that changes over the course of the story as you discover what your character's gender identity is in a sort of story about a transition within a gender transition within the relationship. The orientations then relate to gender in that your characters might be attracted to, you know, only men or only women, or they might be attracted to Both men and women, they might be attracted only to non-binary people or to, you know, anyone, regardless of gender. And then the other thing that I am focusing on right now is a, a split between romantic orientation and sexual orientation. For most people in real life, those two things align. So if for instance someone who is heterosexual is probably also heteroromantic. And what that means is that the people that they are romantically attracted to are the same people they are sexually attracted to. That's not necessarily true for all people. So I wanted characters to be able to have that as well. So you can have a character who is romantically attracted to someone but perhaps is asexual or they are sexually attracted to someone but they are not romantically attracted and that dynamic helps to Tell some more unique stories uh, and helps to just be more inclusive of all of the different ways that people express themselves and uh, feel about relationships and other people in general.
0: Yeah, when we started this podcast, our original goal was to bring to light a lot of games, people, and topics with accessibility and inclusion in mind. Those are both in our mission statement uh, as a team. Up until now, a lot of our early episodes, our early conversations focused mainly on accessibility in general, as a general concept. But inclusivity is tied to and an essential part of making games truly accessible to all players. So we turn now to the question that we ask all of our guests. What does accessibility and inclusion mean to you?
1: So they're both very important aspects to game design, in my opinion for me inclusivity is representation of players within the game in such a way that they feel accepted and supported within the hobby and Absolutely. accessibility is the ease of playing the game whether that is being able to pick up the game and learn it very easily if it's you know in a language that you can actually comprehend and then also your ability to play it if you have any kind of learning disability or even like color blindness blindness deafness any other physical attributes that you might have that could be a, a hindrance to other games how does that affect your ability to play this game and hopefully most games allow that anyone can play them they're designed in such a way that anyone has that ability to play them
0: when the designer of the fog of love base game came to you as a consultant on the cards themselves and making sure that they were inclusive. Was that the first time you had held that particular role?
1: Fog of Love is the first game where my role on it was specifically to do a, uh, a consultation in the terms of like, is this inclusive to people like myself? Of course, many of my games have strong narrative components to them. So in the process of simply creating them and editing you know, any of the narrative text that goes into them, I've been able to do that aspect as well but it wasn't the primary role that I was meant to be on those things. But in terms of projects that didn't come from my own mind that I was able to do this for, A Fog of Love is the first. So currently nothing else.
0: Well, it seems like everyone's going to benefit from that consultation and we can look forward to that expansion that developed uh, from that connection. Are there other game-related projects you have in progress at the moment that you can tell us about?
1: There are a couple other things that I've been working on. I have a number of different ideas for some narrative games that are similar to Legacy of Dragonhold that I want to create, and I've also been working on some more mechanical-based games, some of which I tweet about on occasion, others are under NDA, so I can't really say anything about them yet. Certainly.
0: For our listeners who are interested in following those updates on Twitter, Your handle is at Valens116?
1: That is correct.
0: And do you have a sense of the timeline for your Fog of Love expansion?
1: We're hoping Q2 of 2019. So hopefully not that much longer. But creating game content and getting it printed does take time. So uh, that is sort of a best case scenario right now.
0: Totally understandable. Where can our listeners find your expansion once it's out and the base game if they don't yet have it?
1: In the United States, the base game is available only through Walmart. In other countries, you should be able to find it at your local game stores. If you go to the Fog of Love website, there's actually a section on there that can help you find stores that are in your area that you can buy it from. The Alternate covers that we recently made for the base game should also be available very shortly if they're not already available in your area. The expansions, I believe, are going to be in the same stores as the base game. So for the United States, that will be just Walmart.
0: Perfect. And as we wrap up this conversation, what is your favorite part of playing Fog of Love?
1: Oh... I
0: know, (laughs) it's a tough question. i got to have some tough questions.
1: I've got two aspects of it that I really like. The first one is a mechanical piece of how the game functions, which is the personality dimensions. So as you're playing the game and playing out these scenes, when you make decisions as a character, you get tokens on this colorful track called personality dimensions that are things like discipline and gentleness, sincerity. And I just think it's a really cool way to quantify the aspects of a person's personality how they interact with other people that does so in such a way that's very flexible but also very full feeling once you have a number of tokens on there it feels like your character is very fleshed out as a person like you knew what types of decisions they'll be making but i think the thing that stands out to me even more than that is just the element of emergent narrative that comes through with the game as players are creating these characters and they're Playing through these different scenes that the game offers them and adding their own spin and, like, you know, telling how their personal characters are going through these scenes. It becomes their story, the story that the players are telling. And that story is completely unique to those two players and those characters. So that even if other people play that same story, they're getting a completely different story out of it than, you know, a different pair of players are. And it's just really cool to see that.
0: This game is at the top of my to-play list, even higher after talking with you about it. It seems like this is a game that might bring a lot of people into the narrative-driven portion of our gaming hobby, and you are expanding quite literally the reach that Fog of Love is able to have. Thank you so much for talking with me today. This was a fantastic conversation, and I'm really looking forward to your expansion. Yeah, thank you for having me on. For more information about the Fog of Love base game and the newest expansion that we discussed in this episode please see the about this episode section on our website at playabilitypod.com. If you have questions or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at playabilitypod at gmail.com. And you can find us on major social media platforms as at playabilitypod. Thanks again for listening and remember to play with a new perspective.